0: Welcome to the Disney View Podcast. Dave is a dreamer and an engineer. He's a one-time cast member, and he's been to Disney World literally hundreds of times. Listen in as he talks about one of his favorite things: the Walt Disney World Resort in Orlando, and occasionally beyond the Orlando theme park. And now, here's your host. Please stand clear of the podcaster. Por favor, manténganse
1: alejados del David. Hey everyone, it's Dave. Welcome to another edition of Dave's Disney View podcast. Well, on previous podcasts, I brought you some top 10 lists. And in particular, one of the top 10s I brought you was my top 10 favorite restaurants at the Walt Disney World Resort. Well, on this podcast, I'd like to kind of present the other end of the spectrum. And these are the restaurants that I've been to in the past that I don't have any immediate plans to go back to for one reason or another. Now, that's not to say that they're not good restaurants. That is to say that for whatever reason, they kind of... Didn't meet the bar that I'd set for them, and that's either because of theming or because of the uh, restaurant itself or perhaps the food or maybe the the, uh, customer experience, the guest experience in those restaurants. So what I'd like to do is present that top ten or maybe it's a bottom ten of restaurants that, uh, that I'm not going back to anytime soon. Now, of course, this list is totally arguable. Um, anyone may have a different list or have different feelings about it, and I would encourage you to, uh, to post your feelings or send me an email if you have a different list or some other things that you think about some of these restaurants. You can uh, post to my Facebook page, post on the uh, show notes page over at DisneyWorldPodcast.net, or you can, of course, uh, post something back on uh, Twitter if you like, or just um, go ahead and find another medium. There's plenty of ways to, uh, to get in touch with me and let me know what you think about this list. Now... So what I want to do is present to you the list and in a top 10 format and then kind of tell you what I think that they do right and some of the things that I think they could do better and what it is specifically that I don't like about it. Now keep in mind, there are hundreds of restaurants on the Walt Disney World Resort property and some of them are just fantastic and they're always a must-see for me and they're ones I like to go back to and I'm always trying to try new restaurants. I always have this uh, vision of trying something new every time I go to the parks. So to take something off the list. You know, In a way, it's not such a bad thing because there are so many other choices to be had. There's just so many places to go that are really good that I can pick a few that I say, eh, I'm not really fond of these. I'm not going to go back for a a good long time. Now, the other thing is I think that a couple of these on this list I'm going to have to go back and try again uh, just to see if anything's changed and whatever's going on there. So all of that in order, I'm going to go ahead and get started. Coming in at number 10 is uh, Mickey's Backyard Barbecue. Now, this is over at the uh, Fort Wilderness Campgrounds over in the back by the dock. There's a place over there that's got like a picnic area. And they serve a uh, barbecue that's uh, ribs and chicken and uh, cornbread and corn and coleslaw and baked beans and, you know, the fixings that go along with uh, the uh, backyard barbecue. And the food itself is pretty tasty. I've had better barbecue elsewhere, but uh, it's pretty good. The problem I have here is it's a little pricey, number one. It's one of the more expensive meals that you could have as far as going to a, uh, a buffet like this. And also, uh, I don't like the mix of foods. The chicken I like, but the rest of it I could kind of take or leave. I'm not a huge fan of uh, ribs, and I'm not a huge fan of some of the other fixins that they have. So I could kind of take or leave some of the things that are there. So for me personally, this is one that I really am not a fan of. Now, I love the outdoor setting. I love the picnic atmosphere, feel of it. I love the fact that they're doing some interactive games and shows and things while you're sitting there and having your meal. And the kids get to get up there and they get to have some fun with the uh, with the cowboys and, you know, uh, learn a little bit of uh, rope tricks and that kind of things. It's it's fun. But it just for me the experience just doesn't really offset the uh, kind of food that they serve and therefore it lands on my list at number 10. Now, by extension to that, the uh, Hoop-dee-doo musical review that's uh, in Pioneer Hall, which is essentially right next door, I'm not a huge fan of that either. It's more or less the same food that you get at the Backyard Barbecue served in a bucket while you're watching a show. Now, thematically, it's really cute and clever. You've got this silver bucket or this pail that you're eating out of, and all the food is served in that. And I think that's really clever that they've done that. But I'm not a huge fan of pre-plated food and things that are out like that. It just uh, doesn't do it for me. And as you'll hear on some of the other ones that I select from my list, uh, that's something that just kind of turns me off a little bit to the restaurant. Now, the show itself, the Hoopty Doo Musical Review, is a lot of fun. It's a variety show that's in the uh, old country and western style. And, you know, it's worth seeing. But it uh, just kind of doesn't do it for me as far as the dinner show aspect of it. At number nine on my list is Tony's Town Square Restaurant in the Magic Kingdom. Now, this restaurant has gone through a number of incarnations over the years, and it's, uh, it's always been okay. It's a little bit on the smallish side, and so that kind of contributes to one of the things that I, that I think about it. Now, thematically, very cool. You're at uh, Tony's Town Square Restaurant. It's where uh, Lady and the Tramp met, and they had the famous uh, spaghetti scene where they wind up kissing, eating the, both ends of the spaghetti. So There's a certain thematic piece to it that's very clever. They have a lot of pictures on the wall. There's a lot of representation of the storyline there that kind of go along with it, and it's it's very clever. The food itself is okay. It's nothing great, um, nothing to truly write home about, but it's not bad either. I think for me, the problem here is just the size of the restaurant and the fact that you really it 's always crowded and you feel like you're, you have to uh, make a reservation adva- long in advance and just feels like you 're kind of rushed in and out and you feel like you 're kind of crowded in a restaurant that 's you know just a, an eatery rather than a, a dining experience so for me i 'd rather pass on it than, uh, than eat there i 'd rather go do something else than, uh, than take in something there. Now, again, thematically very clever, you know, kind of cool the way they've set it up and they've got all the different pieces around and it feels like you're a Tony's restaurant in, in the movie to a large degree and they even right down to the red and white ta- uh, checkered tablecloths. It's kind of cool. Uh, it just doesn't really do it for me and that's why I would say that one lands at number nine for me on the list. Number eight, the Garden Grill at Epcot. Now, this one is in the uh, Land Pavilion. And it's a really interesting restaurant. This one used to be called, it's been called many things over the years, but at one point it was called The Good Turn. And the reason it was called that is because it's a rotating restaurant. The restaurant itself revolves around. You go in and you sit uh, in booths at one of two levels. And as it spins around, you then uh, get to look at a different view. So at some point, you're looking at part of the Living with the Land exhibit, uh, the attraction that's there. At some part, you're looking at a mural that's on the wall. At some part, you're looking at some of the backstage area where they have the planters. And then at some part, you're looking out into the atrium where the main part of the, uh, the land pavilion is. So you're rotating around throughout the, uh, the course of your dining experience, and that's kind of cool. That's one of my favorite things about that restaurant. And that's why I ate there again ooh, it was a couple of years ago, because I thought that was really neat, and I remembered that as being a very cool thing to be able to do. The problem is uh, it's another one that's a pre-plated meal. So you come out, and you, know, you order something, and it comes out with a bunch of different things in there. You can tell them, hey, I don't want this, or I do want more of that, and that's fine. And, of course, you can order more. But I always find it funny to kind of get all these different things, and some of them you're going to eat and some of them you're not. And, you know, you kind of try some things, and it feels like kind of a waste in some way because you're taking large portions of something in, in some ways and perhaps wasting some of them. Just a personal thing with me. And the other part of it is it's uh, they have some characters that come by. It's Mickey and Chip and Dale, and I think there might be some other ones who come by wearing, like, um, farmer gear. Uh, so he's got like Mickey's got a farmer hat on. He's got overalls. And it's really neat. I love the character interaction. That's one of my favorite things when you have a dining experience with character interaction. It's a lot of fun because they can interact and, and really move around and, and really have some fun with you. One of the problems is that it's kind of a clumsy area for them to be moving around in. So you've got these two levels of booths that all face outward. So the uh, characters have to come up and kind of squeeze into the booth next to you in order They kind of lean over in in part of the way. And then they'll kind of uh, interact with you, and then they'll kind of climb down and go back onto the next one. And it just feels awkward. It doesn't feel like it was designed for that, and it doesn't really work in some ways. I love it, but it just kind of doesn't work. So I think that's one that could just use a little bit of retooling. Now, that one I know that they've changed a couple of times, and even right now I think it's between uh, times when they're making another change because right now they're only serving dinner, and at times they serve breakfast, but they're not currently serving lunch or something like that. So it varies uh, according to seasons, and you really should check it out if you wanted to go see that restaurant. Um, but it's, it's one that I'm not, uh, I'm not thrilled about just because of the way it is in its current incarnation, and it needs just a little bit of work. Next up on my list at number seven is the Liberty Tree Tavern in the Magic Kingdom. Now, this is over in uh, Liberty Square, and uh, this restaurant has a colonial feel to it, and it's got a bunch of different things that you can do while you're in the restaurant that feel kind of colonial with the, the wood on the, on the walls and the wood on the floors and even the tables and the, you know, the shaker... Uh, Style um, cabinetry and stuff that they have in there. It certainly feels like it ha- it's in colonial times. Now, I remember being in this restaurant a number of times back when I was living in Orlando, and I really enjoyed uh, going to this restaurant. And their Thanksgiving feast was always one of my favorite meals. So a couple of years ago, I went in there and I had a meal. And it wasn't quite the same, it felt more like something that you would get at it- any restaurant, rather than something that was really unique and different and inspiring in some way. It just didn't really grab my attention. The food was maybe even a little cold when I got it, and it felt like it was, you know, sort of canned or reheated or something like that. And it's prepared in a way and plated in a way that feels like, you know, you're, you're on, it wasn't, but it feels like it's on plastic plates, and, you know, you're just getting the food kind of pushed on the plate, and that's the end of it. There was no presentation, no panache, Now, I know that kind of fits in with the theming of being colonial times. I get that, but it just felt like it needed a little something more to kind of elevate it just a little. Now, there wasn't a time in between where this became a character buffet or a character sit-down meal where the characters would come around dressed in colonial garb and uh, interact with you. And somewhere along the way, I guess they changed the menu and some things happened and they had to reconfigure the restaurant just slightly to to make room. So things are just a little bit different. I'm I'm hopeful that eventually they'll kind of bring it back up to the level it was. That's not to say that it was bad. It just was a place where I kind of looked at it and said, "Eh, I'm not wowed, I'm kind of underwhelmed, and I could probably go on and not come back to this restaurant again for a good long time. So it's a fun place, and it has that certain feel to it, and it's really good, but it just sort of is missing something and feels like it needs just a little bit more. Again, with so many choices, that's one that I think I can pass on. Moving on to number six, uh, I'll move over to the uh, Disney's Hollywood Studios, and the uh, location is the Pizza Planet. And that's over across from Muppet Vision 3D. Now, this particular restaurant, this dining establishment, used to be a uh, museum of sorts. They had movie memorabilia set up in this building where you could walk along and look at the different uh, items and kind of uh, experience a movie uh, props and things that you could kind of walk through. I know they've got other areas set up around the park where you can do that again uh, in different places, but this was the primary place where you used to go. And, you know, more history on the Disney Hollywood Studios to come in the future, but just kind of suffice it to say that this was kind of the intent. This was supposed to be a place where you could learn a little bit more about movie making and the history of movies and so forth. So this was really set up as like a, a, a gallery to look at some of the props from movies. It was never really designed as a restaurant, so to retrofit it as a restaurant was kind of awkward. They put in all the tables and chairs on the two levels and it's kind of a, they're kind of a tough fit in there, and they have some of the video game machines so that it kind of fits the Pizza Planet theme. And it almost works, but it doesn't quite work. It just feels uh, a little bit cramped, a little bit rushed, and things are kind of pushed in there a little bit hard. Plus, I think they're missing some of the, the subtle tweaks that really make it Pizza Planet. You know, there's no giant rocket ship, and there's nothing that really evokes what you see in Toy Story to make you think of Pizza Planet. It's called Pizza Planet, but it's kind of missing that element of it. Then the other side... I don't think the pizza is anything great. Now, I've never been a fan, of, in general, of Disney pizza. I find it to be a little bit um, like you know, store-bought frozen pizza, you know, nothing spectacular. It's okay. Uh, you know, it'll fill you up, but it's nothing great. And I know over the years they've come up with different methods for making their pizza, and it continues to be an evolutionary cycle. But I feel like there's something missing from this pizza, as there is in most of the pizza places around the Walt Disney World Resort, and I'm not a fan, uh, so when you go in there, you know you could order something else, but what's the point? You're in Pizza Planet; you would want to order pizza. So I think that's one that I won't really go back to because I'm not a huge fan of the uh, of the location. So that's number six on the list. Moving on to number five is Ohana's character breakfast. Now Ohana, of course, is in the Polynesian Resort, and it's a it's a character breakfast that includes uh, Stitch and Lilo. And also has uh, Mickey and, uh, I think, Pluto going around at times as well. Now, the location is fantastic. I love the Polynesian Hotel, and I love this location in the, in the back part of the hotel where you look out over part of Bay Lake, and you can almost see the Magic Kingdom off in the distance. And depending on the angle you're sitting at and where you're sitting exactly, you can see it. And it's really a, a nice place, and you can look down, and you can see the boats that they have in the, in the little uh, harbor area there uh, at the docks, and you can see that, and it's really beautiful. And at night, they do more of the rodizio style where they come around with the different skewered meats and they serve that. But for the character breakfast, they come out with a pre-plated meal. And again, it's like a bowl that's served family style. So in this case, it's a bowl of, uh, I think it's eggs and breakfast meats and waffles. And then there's a separate bowl that has fruit. And there's, I think there's maybe a little thing of breakfast breads too. And the thing I found about it was I don't eat breakfast meats, so I like the eggs and I like the waffles, and so I asked the server for that, and of course they accommodated it, and that's fine, but then you've got this giant bowl with just, you know, eggs and waffles in the bottom of it, and had to ask for a little more, and a couple of times, and so forth, and it just kind of took away from it a little bit, because, you know, I was looking for something just a little bit more than that, you know, so I had eggs and waffles and some fruit. Okay, that's nice. It's a nice breakfast, to be sure, but it wasn't exactly what I wanted. Now, on the other side of it, to kind of offset that, the interactions with the characters was great. They had a little um, uh, line they did, like a conga line through the uh, the restaurant that was pretty cool, and the kids loved it. They had a great time going through and doing the different moves and having some fun with uh, Lilo and Stitch. So there's something really cool about that, and because of the location, it kind of makes it all worthwhile. But it just lacks a little something in terms of substance and what it is that I think is another restaurant I won't be going back to anytime soon. Frankly, I'd rather eat it like the Kona Cafe, which is just out in the atrium. Uh, if similar locations, still in the same building, you know, but then you can kind of order off the menu and it's a little, maybe a little better in that case. But you lose the character interaction, so you know there's a trade-off in there somewhere. Moving on to number four on the list is Chef Mickey's, and that's only for dinner. Their breakfast buffet is great. You get Mickey and Donald and Pluto that come around to your table, and Goofy is in the atrium. And uh, Minnie Mouse will come around sometimes as well, and they all interact with you and have some fun. And the restaurant was specifically designed to be a character interaction meeting place. This concept of Chef Mickey's used to be over at Downtown Disney, and they moved it over to the Contemporary Hotel. And it's a much more elaborate setting, and it's really set up to have the character interaction, and it's great. The problem is at dinner time. I don't think the dinner selections are all that great. Um, it feels more like, you know, a buffeteria, cafeteria-style food. The food is nothing really elevated or really anything that's uh, out of this world. And you can have some fun and interact with the characters and so forth, but it kind of takes away from it when the food isn't as good as maybe it could be. So I, re- I prefer to go there for breakfast and just go in and have breakfast there and enjoy myself and skip dinner. So I haven't been there for dinner in more than a decade. I don't feel like I'm missing something, and that way I just go on and do other things and select some other locations to eat at uh, in the evenings. So um, for breakfast, it's a tremendous value. And by the way, if you get there at about 11 o'clock right before they close, it's a great opportunity to interact with the characters, and there's not many people in there, and you can really enjoy yourself and get the last of breakfast. Moving on to number three on my list is 1900 Park Fair for breakfast. Now it's a really cool place. You're in the Grand Floridian Hotel, and Mary Poppins is sitting in the lobby uh, of the restaurant, and you can sit out there and chat with Mary Poppins for a while. And she's very prim and proper, and she's telling you all these different things, and it's a wonderful experience meeting Mary Poppins like that. You go into the restaurant, and uh, you have Alice in Wonderland and the Mad Hatter who wander around and uh, chat with you, and they're a lot of fun. You got the uh, the 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 childishness of uh, Alice in Wonderland, and you've got the impishness of uh, the Mad Hatter, and it's a lot of fun to kind of interact with them and get them going a little bit because you can get them going. The problem with this restaurant is that the uh, again the food is kind of pared back in terms of its scale. Now I can remember going here before I had kids. Actually, yes, I like going to character buffets, and I did it before I had kids. Um, I can remember going in there and they had a nice bountiful buffet and there were some great things and I really enjoyed it and there were some really nice selections of food. And then I went back after I had kids and it wasn't the same. They had kind of paired it back. They had like taken away one whole section of the food, the food selections and it really wasn't the same experience for me. And that's not to say I didn't like it and my kids didn't like it, but I didn't enjoy it as much as I had in the past. So, again, kind of thinking about where the value lies, this is one that I've cho- chosen not to go back to in the last, you know, several years now because I think there are better options out there. Now, what could they do differently? If they put some of the food items back out, perhaps it would be a better choice. Um, again, you know, the location is great. You can't beat the Grand Floridian for its, sort of its, its style um, and its elegance. But uh, I think that it just needs a little something more to make it something special. And so that one wound up at number three on my list. Now, down at number two on my list is Cinderella's Royal Table. Now, Cinderella's is an interesting uh, concept. They took an, a small area upstairs in the castle, which used to be King Stephen's Banquet Hall, and it's really, it is actually a fairly small area. It has a small number of diners that they can have in there at any time. And they turned it into a character meet-and-greet. And that's fine, except that it turned out to be one of the most popular character meet-and-greets, uh, of any location. So when you're trying to get an advanced dining reservation for, uh, to see Cinderella's Royal Table, you have to do it on the day it becomes available in the first 15 or 20 minutes that the uh, reservation's office is open. So if it's a 90-day window, you're calling on that 90th day out at you know, 8 o'clock in the morning trying to get someone to, to get you a table there. And there's something about that that just seems horribly wrong to me, that it, t- that it takes that much effort to get a table at Cinderella's Royal Table. There's something kind of odd about that. And for a while there, they were, like, having people that would call up and get the reservations and then sell them to other people and make a profit on people wanting to go there. And it just seemed – the whole thing seemed ridiculous. And Disney figured out a way to stop those people from doing that. Kudos to them. But it still happens that it's a, it's a premium ticket of a sort, and people really want to go there. And it's a, it's a nice experience to have your little one, your little princess goes in, and she meets with Cinderella. There's something special about that. So the way they do it is you come in and they um, have you sit down with Cinderella and you take a picture with her. And it's kind of a rush, rush job to get the picture taken. Then they, take, they sweep you upstairs and you go to the table that's set up for you. And they bring you out a, uh, some pre-plated meals. You've ordered something and they just bring it out and it's already ready and you're, on your, you're starting to eat. And the uh, princesses, Cinderella and whoever else are there, come by and say hello and introduce themselves and talk to you for a few minutes and then move on. Now, the space is a little tight for the number of uh, people that are there and the the number of princesses. And, of course, Disney wants to turn tables over quickly, and I get that. So it feels like they're kind of rushing you along a little bit to try and get you out so they can get the next group in there. And that bothers me a little bit. I was kind of hoping that in Fantasyland, when they expanded it, that they would figure a way to expand Cinderella's Royal Table to make it a little bit more thematic and kind of work for the area that they have and the number of guests who really want to take advantage of this experience but it didn't really work out that way, at least not yet. I'm still hopeful that it will happen at some point, that they'll find a way to create a larger area for Cinderella, and then it would kind of work just a little bit better. It just feels like it's a little bit forced and a little bit rushed in the way that they do it. Now, as the counter to that is the Akershus in Norway, in Epcot. They have a princess luncheon that they do there as well, and they do it in a, in a restaurant that's large enough to hold the size of the number of people that they, that they can put through there in a day. And I think dollar for dollar, it's a better value because you get in there and you get to actually enjoy it just a little bit more, and it feels a little less confined in terms of the number of people that are there. So there is an opportunity. If you're thinking about taking your little princess to meet with a Disney princess, there's a great place to do it, and it's probably not Cinderella's Royal Table. That's just my personal belief on that. And then finally, my number one place at the bottom or top of my list And I'm going to get booed for this. I know there's going to be a round of, you know, there's going to be a round of cat calls or something as soon as I say this, is the 50s primetime cafe. Now, I love the theme of this restaurant. I love the fact that you're sitting in the 1950s kitchen, that it looks like that. There's all these accoutrements around that remind you of the 1950s. And I love the fact that the TVs are showing 1950s TV shows while you're sitting at the kitchen table. And it's really cool and cute that mom or Aunt Sue or your cousin or your uncle or somebody comes by to serve you. There's something really cool about that. They, they interact in a way a lot of times where it's just a lot of fun. You, know, you put your elbows on the table, and they tell you get your elbows off the table. You ask for dessert, and they say, well, you didn't finish your green beans. You can't have dessert. There's something really fun about that. I love that about the restaurant. What I don't like about the restaurant is the offerings they have uh, as far as food goes. It is a very 1950s-centric type of food that they serve. So you've got your meatloaf and you've got your fried chicken as the primary two staples. Now, frankly, I don't like either of those two dishes. That's just a personal thing with me. And so since those are the primary two things that they make, it kind of leaves me out. I mean, there are other things. Certainly, they do have other uh, meals that they make. And there's usually a fish dish and there's some sort of vegetarian dish or something But it's not always something that I want, and I find the the menu to be a little bit limited and constrained, and it's maybe not something that I'd like to have. And that kind of throws me off just a little bit because there's a certain fun nature to that, and I want to find the fun and have some fun with it and find something that I'd like to eat, and I don't always find that there. And it kind of troubles me a little bit. And a couple of times I went, I had some interesting interactions with a couple of the cast members, and I had a great time, but kind of kind of went away from it going, yeah, the atmosphere is great, but the food, eh, not so much. So on the whole, given all the choices, I'd rather go somewhere else. So that would be my lowest-rated item, the place that I probably really don't want to go back to. So there you go. That's my top ten, or is it bottom ten, list of places that I really... Don't enjoy as much as maybe I could because I, they kind of miss the mark just a little bit, but that's not to say that any of them are bad. None of them are really bad. I didn't say anything about anything, any experience being awful where I would go, oh, I would never go back there again. It's more about finding other choices and places that I'd like to go that I really enjoy. And these places just didn't provide that experience for me, and so I pass on them most times and go to other places. Now, again, some of them I probably am going to want to try again. Uh, Maybe on a future trip, and in the near future I'll try one or two of them again and just see what I think. You know, it's probably worth another effort just to see, uh, especially something like the bottom of my list. When I think about the 50s Primetime Cafe, given the fact that it's such a fun restaurant, I probably should give it another try and just not dismiss it as quickly as I did. But... Yeah, that's my prerogative, and that's everyone's prerogative, and I encourage everyone to share your feedback. What are the restaurants that you don't have any desire to go back to, and why? I think that's a, you know, it's a question that everyone has, and I think everyone probably has some sort of an opinion about this. Everyone's got some strong feelings about some restaurants, whether good or bad, and uh, there are restaurants that they just won't go back to for various reasons, and you know, that would be my list. So that's it for this week. Please feel free to email me, go ahead and post something to Facebook, send it over uh, on the uh, show notes page, and let me know what you think. What are your your top ten or bottom ten restaurants, the ones that you won't go back to? So that's it for this week, and remember, if we can dream it, we really can do it. Bye now.
0: Thank you for tuning in to the Disney View Podcast. Show notes can be found on DisneyWorldPodcast.net. Looking to do some travel planning? Want to find an authorized Disney vacation planner? You should visit Destinations in Florida. Original music you hear in this podcast is courtesy of Sound On Music. You can find his music at ReverbNation.com slash Our thanks also go to Doug for his continued contributions to the show you can find links to other great Disney podcasts as well as the latest Twitter feed and the Disney buzz on disneypodcast.net. And don't forget to check out Dave's iPhone apps. There's a hidden Mickey's app for finding and sharing hidden Mickey's at all of the Disney parks around the world. There's also an app designed especially for pin traders. You can keep track of all your pins and your wish lists Please be generous with your time or a donation to Autism Speaks. We do hope that you've enjoyed your visit and that you drive home safe. Show number 132.